0: it's ragu welcome back to ramdas here and now and uh, we have a wonderful new episode today that's from way way back 1969 before i get into introducing the podcast let me just uh, give you a couple of prompts Uh, We have a new podcast on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and look for Madison Margolin, Set and Setting, which uh, centers around psychedelic therapy and social relevance and much more. Her first guest is Justin Beretta from Glitch Mob, who Justin's done wonderful work uh, with Ram Ramdas Meditations and putting music behind them. And coming up, uh, Rick Doblin. Rick is the creator of MAPS and uh, what fantastic work they have done to get uh, psychedelic therapy legitimized in the government's eyes. So uh, yeah, tune in there. This is our first uh, podcast that um, speaks to what is going what is going on now with psychedelics and what has gone on, obviously, uh, from those days in the '60s with Ram Dass and Tim Leary, or Richard Alpert and Tim Leary back then. And so uh, I'm really happy that we have this on the network right now. Um, Let's see. Oh, and and since we're talking about it, I I just, I did a podcast on, and I have a podcast, for those of you who don't know, called Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. And uh, I just did a pretty amazing podcast, and I wanted to mention it. It's called Technology and Magic. It's with Ananda Danielle Kredic, who is the founder of Google Empathy Lab. I know that sounds like an oxymoron to a degree or not a small degree. Anyhow, this fantastic lab that she has within Google that uh, pretty much relates with uh, informing, rather, the artificial intelligence developers of human values and whose was the first, how I met her because she was so interested in Ramdas and felt like she wanted to use many of his uh, values to be able to express them to these AI developers. So, pretty amazing podcast. Uh, give it a listen. We're happy to have. As sponsors for the podcast network, Be Here Now Network, both Eaton Hemp and BetterHelp. Eaton Hemp is a producer of of really fine, organic CBD products, and uh, we're really happy. uh, They're so great at treating insomnia and uh, inflammation, so I, myself... Will be a I I I am a testimonial for the efficacy of CBD. So, Eaton Hemp and the other uh, sponsor that has uh, also somebody that we really feel value oriented with is BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com/slash Ramdas, and uh, you'll get a. Uh, a nice little discount and what that is of course is because we've talked about this and we've had them uh, supporting us now for a number of months uh, allowing people to get uh, therapeutic help uh, especially in these times which are so difficult and continue to be and it's also so very difficult to find uh, therapists that have uh, time in their schedules to be able to uh, see as many people as is needed these days so better help uh, really really fills a void yeah, it's fantastic okay onward and forward the uh podcast rather the the talk that this uh, podcast uh represents is called the hollow bamboo game and in this actually Ramdas uh, he, uh, it's a kind of a meditation, spoken word meditation. And, uh, it, it, this, this talk, talk comes from, uh, 1969, as I said, it was in New York city. And, um, uh, and he introduces the, the hollow bamboo game, which is an exercise from Thalopa, the great Tibetan sage from his song of Mahamudra. And, uh, So the just basic premise here is there is a way out of all this darkness. There is a way. And it's by perceiving him who is beyond all darkness. But another way of saying that might be Perceiving that which is ineffable, that which represents the divine presence, that re- which represents no mind or Buddha mind, all the same. There's only one thing going on. And uh, once we see the reality of that, which only happens because of um, encountering that ineffable Let's the ineffable is good, right? I like that. And so, in order to do, once you realize that, in order to do that, you have to go through, a, as Ramdas describes it here in this in this talk, go through a, a process of purification in order to change the vantage point from which we perceive our lives. And you know, he did. This is something that he focused on so clearly and definitively in the last years of his life, when he, or actually for quite some time before he passed. And that's the loving awareness um, practice, which moves you out of your mind and judging mind into that center of your being, center of the heart space, the soul space, the center of one's being in the middle of the chest. It's not a physical place, but when you breathe in and pull that attention and perspective out of the mind into a place where there is not this judging, judge, guilt, all of the things which keep us in separation. So this is the suggestion and the, uh, the hollow bamboo analogy is really wonderful. I'm not going to describe it. You guys are going to listen and do the meditation with him. The other, uh, one other thing that struck me in this talk, I mean, he, does, he explores extric- extricating ourselves from the illusion of the roles we play. <laughs> and um, so that's a, another perspective of the hollow bamboo. If we could see the whole illusion, we could see beyond duality. So again, it's a part of the purification process. And then he brings up one thing that for me was transformational when I first went to India. And he's talking about Sri Ramakrishna, a great, great saint who, uh, there's a book called The Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, written by one of his disciples uh, named M, just the letter M, I would highly recommend it. I, When I first got to India, I went to Pondicherry in southern India, where the ashram of Sri Aurobindo was and is, and his spiritual partner, simply called Mother, who I did have, uh, I met and had Darshan of. It was uh, That's a whole other incredible experience, actually. But I couldn't see her right away. And I was living in a place called Oroville, where they had many different communities from around the world were uh, building these communities back then. this was, uh, you know, early, se- well, it was 1970 when I went to India. And, uh so while I was waiting to have darshan, of mother, I was handed this book, the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, which he is was one of the greatest devotees of Kali. And M reported on a day-to-day basis what hanging out with Sri Ramakrishna was like. So for me, it was my first experience of the Divine Mother, and it prepared me for actually seeing and spending a, a few moments in Darshan with Mother, who was pretty much at the end of her life at that time. Um, and in fact, she had lost motor, maybe she had some autoimmune disease and had lost motor control, and I'd heard about it, and I was oh my God, I'm going to get caught in... <clears throat> Being fearful of an aged body, basically. And so I'm standing outside and they finally let me in the room. The guy that let me in was like this six foot five yogi with a big beard. It looked like it had gone to heaven. I was like, oh, I was so freaked out. But I got in. As soon as he opened the door... You know those books you read? All I saw was the light. The light was permeating. Now, I'm not a big uh, third eye person. And I don't normally see anything, but all I saw was that light when they let me in the room and I sat at her feet and, uh, and had that incredible experience of the Divine Mother through her. So that was an important turning point for me, and reading that book, um, his devotion to the mother, to Kali, his ability to actually be in non-duality as well as in duality, uh, but he would preferred to stay in that place where he could worship mother. He was incredible. There's amazing pictures of him in samadhi or in deep trance absorption uh, that are worth checking out as well. So, wonderful podcast. This particular talk, again, is uh, just chock full of so many uh, great points of view from Ramdas. So, here you go. This is Ramdas here and now. And the podcast, we're going to call it The Hollow Bamboo Game on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. And check out all the wonderful podcasts. As I mentioned, Madison Margolin's Set and Setting is her podcast. And check my mind-rolling that I just did with uh, Ananda Credic, Technology and Magic. And we will see you next time.
1: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In India, there are some very ancient writings called the Vedas. One of the books of the Vedas is called the spoken word. That is, it's the pronouncements of realized beings, it's not interpretation not writing about somebody from the Vedas ye children of immortality even those who live in the highest sphere the way is found there is a way out of all this darkness And that is by perceiving him who is beyond all darkness. There is no other way. Perceiving him who is beyond all darkness. In order to be able to perceive that which is beyond the darkness in which most of us live most of the time, we have to go through a process of purification in order to change the vantage point from which we perceive. And step by step, we can extricate ourselves from the perceptual illusions in which we live. Let's begin the evening with a few exercises. This first one from the Song of Mahamudra by Tilopa, part of Mahayana Buddhism, or Tibetan, practiced in Tibet. It's a form of dualistic buddhism close your eyes do not with the body but relax shut firm the mouth and silent remain. Empty your mind, and think of not. Like a hollow bamboo. rest at ease your body. giving not nor taking. Put your mind at rest. Imagine what it's like to be a hollow bamboo grown in a field. The sun warms it, the wind makes it sway. How much self consciousness does a hollow bamboo have? How much planning? remembering how many desires answer is none hollow bamboo just is it's a statement of isness just hollow bamboo It's not busy playing the hollow bamboo game. It's not trying to become a bigger hollow bamboo. Similar to water flowing downstream, it's just doing its thing, mindlessly. If we were able to rest as a hollow bamboo, we would enter into a place, within ourselves, where we are one, that is, this room has only one hollow bamboo. you can find the place inside yourself where you are giving nor taking, where your mind is at rest, where you have emptied your mind of all thoughts, and you are just being, then you and I are one, an identity, because in the whole universe there is only one hollow Bamboo. From our vantage point of hollow bambooness, we see all of the drama going by. Imagine if the hollow bamboo were beat by the side of a road. The trucks would go by, buses, women carrying babies, armies would go by. The hollow bamboo is not looking, but it witnesses all. It's the unspeaking witness to it all, including its own growth as a hollow bamboo. Pure witness. And if the hollow bamboo were sitting, were in this room, it would witness this drama we are enacting tonight. It is a hollow bamboo in many manifestations. Central casting has clothed God in a wide array of color and variability for the evening. Central casting is sent over one voice and many ears, all attached to bodies. So if we are doing the work, if we are extricating ourselves from the illusion, we won't get caught tonight. We won't get caught in tonight. Tonight. We won't get caught in the idea that we are listening or we are speaking. Who, after all, is listening and who, after all, is speaking? That's all the snake that turns out to be only a rope. It's only when you're caught in the illusion that it looks like anything's happening at all. From your present vantage point as a hollow bamboo, in order to understand how free of time you are in this hollow bamboo place, imagine now the day you have just lived through and will continue to live through until you fall asleep tonight. Imagine it as a solid block. It just exists only the illusion that you had that you were passing through it but from outside here in hollow bambooness look at it all as solid see the waking the getting up brushing teeth toilet food maybe some asans or breathing work Teaching, buying, care of children, anger, buses, subways, desires, fears, rain, umbrellas, crowds, plans. Look at it all as if it already, it existed as a solid and you just went through it, and from the point of hollow bamboo, look at it now, just as a solid, because in fact, this whole evening already exists, it's already happened. it's all already happened. it's all already happening no accidents, no accidents past, present, future just are they are the grand illusion and when you forget, you're caught in the dance, and each moment feels like the moment, and the last moment never existed, and the next moment never exists. But if you could stand back far enough, you could stand way, way, way back, change your perspective become a hollow bamboo. Then you would see it all. You would see it all. It all. It all. It all. You'd see the whole illusion from beginning to end. From from in the beginning. to the moment when Shiva gets up out of the lotus position and dances the time of the pralaya, when the whole thing ends for a moment and goes back into its unmanifest state, you'd see it all. If you could stand back far enough, if you could just possibly extricate yourself from the time space locus you somehow seem to be stuck in. You mean stuck in it, that's who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. Children of immortality the Veda says, that's who you are. You are an immortal being, you and I are one, my father and I are one, I and my father are one, you are the living temples of God. verily I, even I, am God and there is none else. La ilaha ilala from Mohammed. In Ecclesiastes, there is one alone, there is not a second. That's who we really are we're way 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 in back out up down no label there's no place it's beyond time beyond space is where we are how do we know that Because through the recorded history of man, many, many men have rent the veil, have touched their own immortality, have understood that they and the Father are one. They have been imbued with the Holy Spirit. They have seen it. All in in all its ineffability, they've seen it. They is us. There is a part of us which knows that we are immortal beings. There is a part of us that can read in the social psychology book. Man is the sum of his social roles and know that, boy, have they missed the mark. There's a place in us which just knows. Every major religion is based on the sayings of one of the men who has touched this place. Buddha, Christ, Mohammed, Moses, do these people bring back they bring back out of the infinite the ineffable the timeless spaceless all and everything they bring back some little teeny word which word they bring back a word determined by the desires of the being who brings it back. It's a little, this is not quite an apt metaphor, but it's a little like the blind men and the elephant. A group of blind men go to visit an elephant. One man touches the elephant's legs, and another touches his side, another touches his trunk, another touches his tusk. And at lunch afterwards, they're having a great fight about elephants, one says, he is very like a wall. The other says, no, no, he is not. He's really like a tree. The other said, well, I'm sorry, I experienced an elephant and he is like a snake. I experienced an elephant and he is like a snake. When one goes through the veil one becomes elephant only on the way back do you pass back into the level where there is an experiencer and that which is experienced you come from all being one you are the experience, you are the bliss, you are the knowledge, you are the existence, you are such Ananda. You come back down through into the illusion of duality. The illusion of duality. In the Bhagavad Gita, This body, Arjuna, is called the field, the illusion of duality. That's all of this stuff, all of this form. He who knows this is called the knower of the field. Know that I, that is each of us, I am the knower in all the fields of my creation. And that the wisdom, the wisdom which sees the field and the knower of the field, the wisdom which sees the field field and the knower of the field is true wisdom in Mahamudra it is said when you experience the void that is when you go beyond all the form you go totally through the veil of duality Then you are seeing the other side of the coin. And when you are experiencing the void, think on compassion, Tilopa says. Compassion means a total sympathy and empathy with all of dualism, with all of the illusions. And every time you feel compassion, Tilopa suggests, think on the void. We are one hollow bamboo and we never existed. And from our vantage point of hollow bamboo, we look at this poignant drama being lived out on 3rd Avenue and 77th Street poignant drama, what can we feel but great compassion towards these these poor beings all caught in their illusions, their illusion of separateness, all worshipping the snake that never existed. What can we feel but compassion? The same moment we know they never were, the hollow bamboo never was, Everything resides in the eternal unmanifest. Ramakrishna was one of the very, very high and beautiful beings in India, very high saint. And he went through much emotional drama in finding his way through these different levels. And he described... He described what the illusion seemed like to him in these various ways. He is talking about the story of the Ramayana, which is one of the old stories of India, the story of Ram. Ram was a young incarnation of God like Christ, that he was in a different yuga, a different eon, a different time period. He was in a yuga, a very pure time, when everybody was really pretty good. So he didn't have to do much. I mean, he didn't have to do what Krishna had to do or Christ had to do. But at one point he gets sent off into the jungle. So he is God, he is it all he gets sent off into the jungle by his father for 14 years because his father is fulfilling a promise to one of his wives. And with Ram goes his wife Sita and Lakshman, the brother. Now Lakshman is, is like us. And all he grooves to do is hang out with Ram because Ram is God. Ram is pure life. Pure love, pure consciousness, pure energy. Lakshman is a very, very pure guy. He is so pure, I'll tell you how pure he is, that at one point, Sita, who has been taken away by a a demon, they find a necklace, and the necklace is shown to Lakshman, and Lakshman is, is asked, is this Sita's necklace? And he says, well, I wouldn't know because I have never looked above the feet of Sita because, after all, she's my brother's wife. Now, that's pretty pure. That was pretty pure. And they walk through the woods, Lakshman walking third, Sita walking second, Ram walking first, and Ramakrishna says, on the forest path, Sita steps aside to allow Lakshman to see Ram, similarly between the Jiva, that is the, the God in individual form like us, and the Lord, there is Maya, or illusion, the Divine Mother. Unless she, moved by sympathy, steps aside, the Jiva, the individual, can never see his Lord. So however much you may discriminate, it is no purpose without her help. In other words, it's only when the illusion is lifted that you can see how it really is. And he describes the Divine Mother, the illusion, all of its, the terrible beauty of nature of this illusion the awesome beauty of it all. He describes a vision, he says, I saw a woman, divine maya, illusion, of exquisite beauty ascend from the, Ga- from the Ganga, the Ganges River, and slowly approach the Panchavati, that was the temple where he was staying. Presently he noticed, this is in the third person, about Ramakrishna, she was about to be a mother, in a short time, she gave birth to a lovely child and was nursing the babe with the utmost tenderness. A moment later, he observed that she was no longer tender but had assumed a terrible aspect. She put the child between her jaws and crushed it to pieces. Swallowing it, she again hid herself in the Ganga. That is the illusion of the Divine Mother. When I was in the temple in India, the guru said to me, pointing at the beautiful, beautiful Indian women that were sitting all around him, feeding him. My guru eats about 15 meals a day because these women cook all night just because to cook for a a high being is like such a spiritual, such high spiritual work and he just keeps talking and all day he's just and a spoonful of this comes in and then he, a spoonful of this and these women just it just he's doing their work for them he's, he's taking on their karma he said to me who are these women? I looked and I said they are beautiful Indian women no you don't have anything who are these women? <laughs> Well, I said, they are all your loving devotees. No. Who are these women? I give up. (laughs) I don't know. Who are these women? He says, Ma. Ma. The Divine Mother. They're all the Divine Mother. So I absorbed that for a while, and I looked at each of these women as my mother. That was pretty interesting. That certainly changes your take of the women. Then he points to the sadhus, the men of the same. He says, Who are they? Now I'm not even trying, I don't know. He says, Ma. They're the Divine Mother. All the Divine Mother. That's the Maya, the illusion. Describing his experience of Nirvakalp Samadhi, Nirvakalp Samadhi means going into samadhi beyond form, going into the place where you go beyond beyond the Divine Mother, you go behind the illusion completely, the experience of satori, brings in. Zen. You go beyond thought, beyond experiencing, you merge into the white light, Describing his experience of Nervakalpa Samadhi, the master, Ramakrishna said, after the initiation, the naked one, his, uh, his, his guru was a, uh, a naga. The nagas are, are naked ascetics. They travel naked in India. Began to teach me the various conclusions of Advaita Vedanta, meaning monism, meaning going all the way, meaning being one with it all. It's the differences between the word Dwight and a Dwight. Dwight. means dualistic and a Dwight means monistic. Monistic, I am God. Dualistic, I worship God. All dualism leads to monism. I worship you, I worship you I, you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then you and I become one. And then I am God. Dualism leads to monism. Or you can just say, I am God, I am God, I am God, I am God, which is true. That's that's monism. That is, uh, most forms of Buddhism are monistic in that sense. And he asked me to withdraw the mind completely from all objects and dive into my Atman, into that inner place, that pure place where I always am, always was, and always will be. But in spite of all my attempts, I could not cross the realm of name and form and bring my mind to the unconditioned state. I had no difficulty in withdrawing the mind from all objects except one, and this was the all-too-familiar form of the Blissful Mother, radiant and of the essence of pure consciousness, which appeared before me as a living reality and would not allow me to pass beyond the realm of name and form. Again and again I tried to concentrate my mind on the Adwai teaching, but every time the mother's form stood in my way. In despair I said to the naked one, It's hopeless. I cannot raise my mind to the unconditioned state and come face to face with the Atman. He grew excited and sharply said, What? You can't do it, but you have to. He cast his eyes around for something and finding a piece of glass, took it up and pressing the point between my eyebrows said, concentrate your mind on this point. Then with a stern determination, I again sat to meditate. And as soon as the gracious form of the divine mother appeared before me, I used my discrimination as a sword and with it severed it into two. There remained no more obstruction to my mind which at once soared beyond the relative plane and I lost myself in samadhi. Most of the visions that have been reported through in the writings are visions of the divine mother. They are divisions with form. They are not of the formless. Partly because there's nothing to say about the formless. Because it's all and everything and nothing. There's nothing you can say. A God defined is a God confined, one man said. Another says you can't say anything about it, you can't whistle about it either no way to time. It. But there are many, many beautiful descriptions for reaching for it a little bit in a book called Black Elk Speaks, which is the story of an old Ogallala Sioux Indian who was in the spirit. He writes of a vision he had when he was nine years old, and in this vision he, he, uh, he saw thousands and thousands of horses going through the heavens. He had vision after vision. He saw the whole celestial dance. He saw the astral plane, the whole astral plane. For nothing I have ever seen with my eyes... He saw this all with his eyes closed, was so clear and bright as what my vision showed me, and no words that I have ever heard with my ears were like the words I heard. I did not have to remember these things. They have remembered themselves all these years. It was as I grew older that the meanings came clearer and clearer out of the pictures and the words. And even now I know that more was shown to me than I can tell. I saw more than I can tell. This is what has made for so much discontinuity through, uh, through history between visionaries and people who have not had these experiences. When he says, for nothing I have ever seen with my eyes was so clear and bright as what my vision showed me. He knows what his vision showed him with total certainty. He and the vision are one. And how I am confronted often, and it was back when I first started taking LSD, I would have these experiences that were as vivid and valid to me as anything that ever came in through my senses, in fact, more so. And then I would go back to my colleagues at Harvard and I would try to explain to them what it was like. And they'd say, well, you hypothesize you saw this. (laughs) And I would say, well, do you hypothesize you see me? They'd say, well, theoretically, we know we do, but actually we know we're seeing you. Who's seeing what? Who's seeing what? To say to them, you are in an illusion. I really am not here. I am the creation of your own desire. You don't really know what's out here at all. And the only valid way you can know anything is to turn off your senses. I mean, that completely undercuts the whole tradition of Western rational materialism. Right out the window. Just like that. Got your choice. And if you've had an experience that has this kind of inner validity that is this powerful, there isn't a choice any longer. No choice. Now, many of you are here because there is no choice. There is no choice. You are on the sadhana, on the spiritual path, whether you like it or not. The seed has been planted Some way or other, you were touched. You were touched. Childbirth, perhaps? Maybe it was a traumatic experience in your teen. Maybe you fell in love. Maybe you took LSD. Maybe you came close to dying. whatever the reason maybe it was through maybe it was through the work you do and you touched a higher place through your art or through your music and you suddenly had opened before your eyes an understanding of how the laws of nature are Einstein said, I didn't find the fundamental laws through my rational thought. Again and again and again, the the basic findings that changed the direction of man's thought down through history, all involved, or over and over again, were reported by these men to involve what sometimes they called intuition. That's the Western way of saying it. Involved something which took them through that place.
0: place. This podcast is brought to you by the Love, Serve, Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at Ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.